Wednesday, August 22nd. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and joining me in studio today for Motley Fool Asset Management, Bill Barker, and for Motley Fool Inside Value, Joe Mager. Gentlemen, good to see you. Hello, hello. Thanks. Bill, welcome up from the first floor. The Thanks cavern. for having me. It's, it's been, been a long time. It has been a long time. We've got uh, some housing to discuss, mobile payment, and we are going to dig into the full mailbag, but we are going to start with Dell. Dell's quarterly profit fell 18%. And the company cut guidance for the full year, shares down more than 6% this morning. Joe Mager, there's just a whole lot of hurting going on at Dell. You know, it's just not going well, Chris. It really uh, isn't. Consumer. So everyone thinks of Dell as a consumer PC story, and that story has changed. The consumer PC side now is significantly smaller. We're talking about twenty, about twenty percent of the business just on the consumer PC side. Unfortunately, that part of the business was down twenty-two percent year over year. Um, you know, you can't blame that on Windows Eight. People waiting for that because one, I don't know anyone who's excited about Windows Eight. Two, people were very happy about Windows Seven. Like that's a system people are. You know, this isn't like. Uh, we were waiting to get Windows 7 after Vista, which was a total train wreck. So it's not an upgrade thing. It's just an iPad thing, and it's a competition thing. And I I do give Dell credit for walking away from bad business, but this part of the company is going from a profit center to an albatross, and it's just above break-even at this point. And I think they're going to have some real headaches on their hands figuring out what to do with it. Uh, yeah, Bill, I mean, when you look at the competitive threats and it's obviously companies like HP and Apple but it's also you know companies like Acer and Lenovo and when you throw in the fact that if Dell hasn't completely missed the mobile movement they're certainly lagging behind significantly by like 50 miles yeah i mean on is, is there a is there a, a silver horse. lining here is there one part of the business that you can look at and say well look if they're going to turn it around it's going to be by betting on enterprise and sort of trying to become a poor man's version of what ibm is yeah maybe i, I you look around uh, the office right now where we are uh, uh, joe's got an ipad in front of him i have a lenovo uh, in front of me uh, that's what our company used these days. Once upon a time, it was Dell, and and that worked for a while. But I, the last iteration that we had in our office of Dell products was the kind of experience that probably a lot of us will will take away, and I think is going to be a problem for Dell in that what they once did at the end, it seemed like wow, I'm never going to use one of those again. Yeah. In terms of desktops, you mean? In terms of laptops. Is, are there still desktop com computers? I've yeah, got one. You've I've got, got one. one. Really? Yeah. yeah. Interesting. <laughs> I got it instead of the laptop because I knew it would break less often, which was a good call. Is it a Dell? Yes. Ah, well, there you are. I mean, that's better than the laptop experience, which I think it turned me off enough that, uh, and it, you know, it's sort of a commodity business. Uh, so if you have a bad experience, that can turn you off of the next two, three, you know, product cycles. So yeah. that, I mean, that's going to last with them for a little while. Yeah, like as we become more web-centric, like honestly, I don't care about the features of my PC. All I want it to do is connect me to the internet in the most seamless way possible. So when you look at the stock, Joe, uh, as a value guy, it's clearly a stock that's been beaten down over the last five years or over so. Over any time horizon. Yeah, you look at pretty much any time horizon, and Dell's stock performance is not that great. 
is this at all a value play? Is it dirty value, or is it just so in the weeds that you want no part of it whatsoever? Yeah, I'm not buying it, but there are some decent buy <laughs> angles here. You know, it's selling at seven times earnings. I don't think that's enough for you to buy a stock, but that's pretty compelling in the sense that there are very low expectations. And as the consumer side does become a smaller part of the business, it does shift more towards enterprise and services, which are more valuable and stickier business. So there is a there there. This isn't a Best Buy where you're worried about Dell going away. I mean, this business is going to be around and it'll be profitable for a long time. It's just a matter of what's the right price for it. And I think that I would rather stay away from the stock until they sort out what they're going to do on the consumer PC side. Uh, just to follow up on that, I'd, I'd personally agree. Uh, but as, as you say, it's, it's trading less than seven times earnings. It's got plenty of plenty of cash as well. So on an enterprise value, it's even cheaper than that. Taking risks on random baskets of once great companies that uh, are to start trading for five, six times earnings over time is probably going to allow you to beat the market. On the other hand, you're going to wind up with some Kodaks in there. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, I don't think that's what Dell is, uh, but, but uh, you know, the odds are uh, that it will make some kind of a comeback. What, you know, in, in, in what dimension, I'm not sure we can predict, but the valuation makes it something that, that's interesting. Home builder Toll Brothers, third quarter profit up 46%. And Bill, CEO Doug Yearly said, we are enjoying the most sustained demand we've experienced in over five years. Is that noteworthy or is that just sort of, well, that's not all that surprising given what housing has done over the last five years? Yeah, the last five years is an easy act to follow. And, and that's <laughs> in housing. In housing and in, in a lot of things. But uh, that's part of what's going on here. It has um, one way of looking at it would be to look at the, the you know home builder sentiment, which is is hitting sort of new recent highs at at 37, uh, which is a high over I don't know what what period of time, but is still below 50, which is, so it's still considered. Uh, you know, a pessimistic outlook in in its entirety for home builders. In terms of housing, since I know that's the next, sentiment next to nothing about housing. Do you know any home builders? No. Their sentiment is at thirty seven. Okay, but does the, that help you? <laughs> no, but the, I'm saying the bar is. I what? don't know how much clearer I can make it. <laughs> so the the bar is fifty. If it's over fifty, then it's 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 a bullish sign. If it's under fifty, it's still below yeah. average. Below average, but in, but improving, but or or considered you know negative uh, sentiment, okay. but but improving, which is where housing is, I would say, still in a negative situation on the whole, but much improved from where it was, and the uh, uh, stocks of the home builders are are double, triple what they were, you know, at the beginning of the year, toll being one of them. Uh, KB Homes was had been beaten down even more, and as a stock has recovered more, so. Uh, you, you've seen uh, a, a lot of the recovery uh, for home building priced in, and with uh, interest rates uh, having just hit all-time lows, you would expect to see some improvement in the market. And you know, free I'd, money, free money. I, I don't know that you can sort of map that out as the likely interest level for uh, you know any any time period going forward. So take take that into consideration when you try to look at what's going on, uh, really things should be doing quite well this summer, given the interest rate situation. Joe, do you look at 
housing stocks at all? Are they of interest to you, or do you do you stay away from it? And to the extent that you try to invest in housing, it's more on the periphery, as we've talked about in the past with companies like Home Depot and sort of the more home improvement as opposed to the home builders. Yeah, more on the periphery where they're not as intensely cyclical as the home builders. And I'm a little bit jaded on home builders. I just know so many value guys who got absolutely crushed by them that they turned me off a little bit. And I don't have what I would consider a very strong opinion on housing's direction. So because of that, I've been a little less inclined to dig right in. Instead, you know, something like a you know, a waste management or a Home Depot, which are a little more on the periphery or names that I'm more comfortable with. And it's not like a pure play on housing, but still gets benefit. Bill, let's wrap up on Toll Brothers stock itself. When you look at and it's, you know, it's up this morning as a result of their quarterly earnings. When you look at it over the last one, two, five years, this is a stock that is handily beating the market. What do you think of the stock where it's priced right now? Is it richly valued? Is it fairly valued? Is this a situation where if someone's interested, this is maybe sort of a bet on the leader, or is it a little too rich? Uh, you know, I, I think that given the run that it's had, I'm, I'm less interested in it right now. Um, I, I do think that in saying that, I, I look at the interest rate situation and think, how much better can things get? Uh, in You know, inventory levels can still be worked off. There are definitely brighter days ahead for the housing level housing market over the next few years than than the past few but at uh, taking a snapshot of this moment in time you've just seen case shiller numbers improve several months in a row you've you've got the interest rates where they are you've got things that are that are good in in the short term and uh, that's reflected in in part in the price of the stock so I'd, I'd be a little bit more interested in it when fewer people are interested in it. eBay's PayPal division has announced a new partnership with Discover, and PayPal will now be accepted at more than 7 million locations across the United States. Joe, we had talked a couple of weeks ago about Square, the mobile payment startup company that Starbucks had invested in, and Star- uh, Square was going to be available at Starbucks locations across the U.S., all 7,000. Yeah, I was going to say, this, this seems to be a larger number. Yeah, I'm not a math major, but 7 million is more than 7,000. Um, this is a fantastic deal for eBay and PayPal and Discover. Uh, for PayPal, you just suddenly got in front of 7 million merchants and you're now in stores. Uh, you know, even though Discover is kind of the redheaded step cousin of payments compared to Visa and MasterCard. They are still in about 95% of the same presence that Visa and MasterCard are accepted in. They've closed that gap over the last few years. Really? It's 95%? Yeah. That's surprising. Yeah. Well, it's they've fought aggressively to get in front of more people. And as more people are paying with plastic, they've been able to earn their way in there. And it definitely took some time. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just fantastic for PayPal. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm not going to die on air, I promise. Uh, It's fantastic for them because they're going to get in front of all these people and it's a chance for people to use PayPal in a brick and mortar realm. You know, to what extent they do that is uncertain, but I think they offer a compelling offering. So among what they've got there, for example, you could soon in 2013 walk in and pay with just entering your mobile phone number and your PayPal pin number. Uh, incrementally, that's faster than pulling out your debit card and swiping with it. I think that's interesting. I think a lot of people would be you know, up to using that. Now, whether it takes off, 
you know, we'll see, but it doesn't really need to because it's all upside for them. And the same for Discover. I want to get back to eBay stock in a minute, but first, Bill, when it comes to mobile payment, I don't doubt that this is an industry with enormous potential, enormous growth opportunities. Uh, I was talking with one of our colleagues earlier today and saying, I don't think there's anyone who doesn't think that mobile payment isn't going to be big over the next five years. It's just a question of how much bigger it's going to get. And yet, uh, as, as an older guy who's comfortable pulling out his debit card or credit card, I, I don't know. Do you use mobile payment? I don't. I never use it. I'm not saying I never will, but it's just one of those things where I'm just like, ah, it's just as easy for me to just reach into my wallet as opposed to pulling out my phone and and getting a PayPal account and all that. Yeah, I don't know that I'll agree with you that you know. I mean, I'll agree that you're an older guy. Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> you're why older you would than point I am. To me, I well, I'm younger at heart. You know, so I'm I'm able to adapt to these things better than you are. Apparently, uh, that said, I never have made a mobile payment <laughs> because because I mean the incremental convenience of it is I mean we are getting we, we are slaying very 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 small dragons you know in in our lives at this point where a credit card is just not quite convenient enough. However, the next generation may find that it's insane how how unwieldy you know going into your wallet for for credit is rather than just you know knowing the information off the top of your head uh it it would be convenient at certain times to not to be able to pay for something with nothing on you you know except the the knowledge of what the information of your number uh, and some codes that are that are kept in your head so uh at at some point somebody is gonna gonna break through and show all of the people as old as yourself how convenient that is and and that'll be a big winner joe the last time we talked about ebay i think we were talking about their earnings and their marketplace division had done really well and yet when you look at the stock this morning it's up more than three percent is that all because of this deal i mean and if so that would suggest to me that paypal is sort of the dog is the tail that is wagging the dog here yeah it is i mean i think people are really excited about the turnaround in marketplaces but the paypal story has been remarkable and clearly there's a lot of room to run here and i think this deal really hits home the size of the opportunity for them and you know even though the stock isn't classically cheap i mean certainly more expensive than than dell um (laughs) in terms of what you're paying for i think this is a high growth tech stock that has two different strong businesses that both have a lot of organic growth ahead. And unlike an Amazon, for example, you're not paying a whole lot for it. So I own shares and I'm very happy with them. Does a deal like this, this partnership with Discover, does something like this make it more likely that PayPal gets spun off at some point in the future? Yeah, yeah, it does. I, you know, to what extent it's a home run, we'll see. But I think all we could do is just add incremental revenue and bring more people into using PayPal and make them use it more often. And I think it just puts a little more gasoline on the fire. You can always drop us an email. Radio at fool.com is the way to get a hold of us. We had talked earlier in the week uh, when Charlie Travers was in, was in here, Joe, we were talking about Lowe's and their tagline, Never Stop Improving. And we went around the table, and I said the thing that I wanted to improve was the quality of my sleep. And we got some great emails. We got a lot of emails, too many for me to read right now, but I wanted to share just a couple in terms of uh, listeners offering some advice on on how to 
get better sleep, how to improve the quality of my sleep. Uh, from Jason DeBruin in Raleigh, North Carolina. Hey, Chris, as for something to help you sleep, just put on an episode of Market Foolery. You'll be sawing logs in no time. Uh, from Ed I'm not, Sealy. not sure how to feel about that. <laughs> uh, you know, and that, that, that gives me the chance to just, as a reminder out there, boys and girls, don't operate heavy machinery when you're listening to Market Foolery, just in case. Uh, from Ed Sealy in Illinois, combining last week's discussion, buy a dog. Then you'll need to take the dog for a nice long walk each evening. The fresh air and little bit of exercise will promote a better night's sleep. And if that doesn't work, try whiskey. I, you know, <laughs> you've tried whiskey. Say. I've tried whiskey. That's worked well. Yeah, for I me can't. In the past. I can't agree with the dog. You know, my dog wakes yeah, me up. Me you too. Know, no. I mean, I don't have a dog, but I did, and like, I never had a good night's sleep. Uh, from Brian Taylor in Arizona. My wife, Shannon, is a PhD student at, a, at Arizona State University in clinical psychology. She facilitates sleep groups and teaches a class at ASU on sleep. And he included a bunch of tips that she had sent him to forward on to us, uh, tips including things like the only things you should do in bed are sex and sleep, so no TV, no reading, uh, limit caffeine during the day, definitely none after 3 p.m. Bill, that's bad news for you. I, I have no pro. I can drink coffee in bed and, and fall <laughs> and do on occasion. Um, because that's one of the three things that I do in bed: drink coffee. So uh, the third. And her final tip: alcohol can help you get to sleep easier, but that can make sleep more disrupted during the night. I think I'm just going to go with the first half of that, and just I'll just limit that to alcohol can help you get to sleep yeah, easier. Yeah, that's what I, <laughs> that's what I heard. <laughs> All right, Joe Mager. Bill Barker from Motley Fool Asset Management. Uh, guys, thanks for being here. Thank thanks, you. Chris. Uh, for more information on Motley Fool Asset Management, you can go to foolfunds.com. And as always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. We are done for the week. It's a shorter week for us, but we're going to be back on Monday. You can check out the Motley Fool Money radio show this weekend. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday.